Ready? Mm-hmm. Ready. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there entangled in the interwebs? CSG Podcast is back. Ross, hipster's glasses, Martin is out on assignment. We sent him to D.C. to bring back Tim Conley, baby. Woo! We're making his way all the way down here from Thornton. We got the king himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? Um, it's nice to be back in the uh, the southern studios of... Uh, of uh, actually, actually, I was going to think... I was thinking about this. I've been calling um, where I record up in Thornton the, the, the north studios of, uh, of CSG. And at this point, you know, the CSG just has really, the last several episodes, as you guys have heard, has been the iPod episode of, <laughs> of CSG. They've been self-contained on this little fucking thing here. Yeah, I had no idea that iPods even existed. It's an, comes a, over with well, a flip phone and an iPod. It's, a, it's an iPod <laughs> Touch. iPod Touch. And it's, it does everything as an uh, iPhone does, but without the $150 a month payment. I'm still waiting for you to reveal... The time machine that you found to get all these <laughs> fancy products. <laughs> uh, we are podcasting, yeah, for the first time in a while, and Jeff rolls over to my house to podcast today. And as you'll see, if you go to Twitter where this podcast post will be, we're both rocking big honey t-shirts today. We are. Huh? We are. I did best, best nickname and best t-shirt, as far as I'm concerned. Hell yes. Hell yes. I wanted to buy more of the Denver Stiffs t-shirts this year, but... Uh-huh. Uh, I kind of forgot about them. Was the only reason, and, but I went to D Line Company's website, dude. They got some dope shit on there. I want to get some That's of those some stickers. Stuff. I need the uh, Doug Mo Denver Stiff sticker. Um, and it's funny they had recently sold out of them, and they have to know, get some I saw back that. in. Yeah. So, uh, but it's good. Look, D Line. We have a relationship. We've we've actually had a, we're a, tr- attempting to have a relationship with D Line going all the way back to 2012. And uh, it didn't it didn't come to fruition, but uh, I'm glad to see that they are. We'll, we'll edit that company. part out. We, we, we we'll won't do that. that. <laughs> we put that. I'm going to leave that shit in there. We, we can we can we, we can almost say had that. a relationship. We almost had a relationship. It's like you ever do that? It's like oh, I almost had a relationship with that girl. Yeah, that's what Josh Conkey says about all of his GMs. <laughs> we almost had a relationship, <laughs> and then they left because I didn't pay him. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> shit. <laughs> Well, should we uh, address the elephant in the room? Yeah, the only reason we're even podcasting is because the damn bastards in the DMV are coming after our boy, know, the con right? man himself, I know, right? Tim Conley. Uh, hot off the presses on April 3rd, David Aldridge and uh, Mr. Katz, Freddie Katz as I like to call him. Do you call him anything else? Just Fred Katz? Is his name even Fred? Fred Katz. Mr. Katz from, uh, from uh, what was that, uh, <laughs> Uh, adult Swim cartoon. Every time I think of Fred, <laughs> Doctor Katz. Katz. Is his name Fred Katz? Am yeah, Fred, right? Katz. Fred Every Katz. time I think of Fred Katz, for some reason, I don't know why. I don't even know if I know what he looks like, but I think of um, the critic. It oh, yeah. stinks. It, it stinks. stinks. <laughs> it stinks. Yeah, that's your right. Look like him at all? <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. But it's like... <laughs> oh, what the hell? I gave it a shot. Uh, but yeah, so back on April third, David Aldridge and Fred Katz report that. The Wizards are going to be interested in 
uh, talking with Denver's Tim Connolly about their potential uh, or about their GM job. I guess they had fired yeah. the poor SOB that was running that team right Ernie in the ground. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For years and years and years. Sixteen years. Um, but I'm sure you know the the Cronkies not wanting to stand in the way of a dream, right? They're going to allow Conley to pursue uh, talks with the Wizards. Correct. Is yes. what Adrian Wojnarowski and David well, Aldridge and Fred Katz also reported. I, I I don't know if talks is the correct way to put it, but I believe that they were allowing um, Tim Connolly to go there and listen to them. I guess is the best way to put it. Hear hear what they had to say. They're going to allow their sweetheart to be wooed by another yeah. and see if he still. Can you is imagine true. that? Can you imagine that? Yeah, it's happened to me many times. <laughs> have you allowed your Have you allowed a girlfriend to go? And they like, no, no, no. I, 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 I you got something good with me. This happened but to me go once. Talk to in, that guy. Once in high school, a girl told me that I had recently started dating. Um, I think I was a junior in high school. I believe she was a sophomore. She told me that a uh, one of our star athletes, that was a senior, uh, who was wanting to court the young lady. So she was curious if she should, you know, if she, hey, she got to know me, should she get to know him too? I said, you can. You can go and get to know him all you want. See ya. It's over. <laughs> get out. You want to go? Go. <laughs> no. see what the grass is like on the other side? Guess what? She came back weeks later and apologized because that guy did her wrong. Who would have thunk it? A and senior star athlete screws over the poor I, sophomore girl. It, the chances are infinitesimal. <sighs> I, I, I've seen it a hundred times. Ten things I hate about you. Uh, I've seen it in... Um, you know, uh, Mean Girls, plenty of times, plenty of teen movies that I like to watch. Well, it's a, the funny thing about this whole situation <laughs> is that... We're talking rom-coms or we're going back to basketball? Uh, we can do both. Okay, let's go um, basketball. <laughs> because I think it's applicable in both areas. Um, but you would never allow your um, significant other... See, like if I was dating a guy, I wouldn't say, you know, what you need to do is go play... You know, you need to... You know, I know you like this guy over here. What you're going to have to do, right, is just... Could go to them and t- hear them out and hear what they have to say. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. If they want to do that, you say, first of all, you say no. But second of all, if they're insistent, you say goodbye. Well, and is, that is what it is. And you know what happens when you allow someone to go off and be wooed? They get wooed. Exactly. Because they get lied to. And they get told that this dream is going to be great and fantastic. You know, and everything. Oh, you want permission to get rid of John Wall and sign 40 guys? Yeah, we'll do that for you, man. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> You come here, do whatever, man. You want to kick this kid's puppy? Go ahead. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I mean, they're, they're going to, you know, it's going to sound good, right? Like, they're going to make a good mm-hmm. offer. It's going to sound alluring, something new, something exciting. But as we talked about, right, so the whole thing comes down to, you know, what, what would Conley want to do? Does he want to go back home and try to rebuild a childhood team, perhaps, or a team that he got his start with, cracked his teeth with in the NBA? Or does he want to stay in Denver, where, as we know, they've their homeowners here. Mm-hmm. They have a good thing going. They have Nikola Jokic. They just went to the Western Conference semifinals. Something that doesn't happen every day here in Nuggetland. I mean, you got it's two different jobs, right? You go to Washington, you're rebuilding and trying to get to where the Nuggets are heading. If you stay in Denver, you're trying to take that next step, the most difficult step into championship land. Oh yeah. That is the most, as as Masai Ujiri will tell you, uh, that is the most uh, difficult step. And the, the parallels between Masai Ujiri and Tim Connolly keep coming back. And um, I think you were um, looking at some stuff from back in using the old time machine. 
back in the day uh, about stuff that was written that you were writing uh, about Masai Ujiri when uh, the Toronto uh, Raptors were coming coming to get him. I did. I remember, yeah, I wrote in 2013, just to read the header on this article, I said, if the Sacramento Kings fans and members of government could help retain a franchise, surely Nuggets Nation can have a say in the team keeping Masai Ujiri. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, one of my one of my good lines that I also I use this same line today on Twitter in regards to Tim Conley, but it holds true for both guys. I said Masai Ujiri is the kind of person a franchise should want to build around. Same thing goes for Tim Conley. Yep. I mean that's the kind of guy that's the the model person that you want in your organization. Yeah. Right. I mean we got we're two lowly bloggers or we're two lowly bloggers that he yeah. you know we we formed a relationship with him. Uh, a professional relationship with the team, and we got comfortable to the point where he comes on our podcast to you know talk hoops and lets us fire off some silly questions about movies and TV shows and comedy as well. Um, but it, it doesn't matter who the person is who Conley has talked to or has a relationship with; they always have nothing but good things to say about him. And He's even, a great even, guy. Even his continued relationships with past players, Darrell Arthur, mm-hmm. you know, Timothy Mozgov, Nurkic, all these guys. It's like he man. no one's I don't can't find anyone um other than, you know, spiteful media members who could really think of a bad word to say about Tim Connolly, you know. Yeah. And uh with rightfully so. Uh and quite frankly, we at, at CSG I think we would probably both readily admit that we are biased a little bit when it comes to Tim. Largely, yeah. Um I, I think I think, you know, even Masai when he was here wasn't, you know, didn't come on a podcast. You know, Tim was readily. I mean, he came right on, right after he was hired, and it was it was incredible of him to do that. I mean, I'm speaking of him like he's dead, and he's not. Um, and and I I will say from my perspective, yeah, he's just entering his, his prime. This is his this is his time. This is his well machine. <laughs> um, and I think from my perspective, when I look at this, I think, what what are the moving parts? What's going on? And is he going into a situation that is more difficult if he leaves? And I'm not at all convinced that he's going to. Uh, if you're talking about Jeff Morton's perspective here, I don't I, I would say the chances of him staying are pretty good. Um, and I 50 50, at least. you know, there's there's probably yeah. I mean, they could always back a dump truck full of money up to his door. There's nothing. I mean, if you're going to do that, then obviously that's a that's a situation that you're going to have to look at. I, I I think I'm I would look at it if I was in that you know and it, and it was like if I was living in say like uh, Texas or something like that and someone says you can come back to Denver and we're going to triple your salary, I'd be like, you know, that would it's going to be really hard to pass up, you know. Yeah, and then. You know, I, I look at things too. It's like, all right, so let's get real selfish and just look at things from like a nugget perspective. Um, if you lose Connolly, you lose the guy who has the grand vision for the team, right? Like, he has final say. One of the best parts about Tim is that he has a very open relationship with the front office where they all yeah. sit and coordinate. Yeah. Everybody makes their, like draft night. We saw that cool um, piece with Vic Lombardi where he was in the draft room for a little bit with the Nuggets. What was that line that I think it was Tommy Belsettis had about a guy runs like a panther? Remember oh, yeah, yeah, leopard yeah. Or, There's some funny line in there. But, I mean, there's a, a great mix of humanism, numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's a, it's a good group. And for myself, working, 
where I do and having like a group of guys that you know you can trust or rely on, you know everything about them. It's like it's great to keep that together, especially now because the Nuggets are looking to take certain steps forward. Yeah. And what you'd really want, so let's say if Conley did leave, first off, are you just losing Conley or is he going to take, you know, Rafi, Juke with him? Oh, what was that? You know, is he going to take Rafi with him? Yeah. Who else is going to go yeah. with him? When Masai left, it wasn't just Masai that left. So if you start to lose some of those guys, then you're looking at things forward. Like for me, I'm always thinking, all right, so with a team that's going to be competitive, what do you always need? You always need guys that are going to replenish the cupboard. Well, yeah. Next year, you got Michael Porter Jr. Mm -hmm. But then moving forward, you're still going to want to be able to pluck away young guys. So you're going to want that same scouting staff that's able to do so much at the end of the first round, end of the second round. That's where those guys are going to become incredibly valuable. One of the hard and you know this and and uh, well, like look at the Warriors right now. Who, who are they trying to put on their team to ensure that this legacy stays if Kevin Durant leaves? Like they're depending on Kevon Looney taking those steps. And it's hard. It's hard to and you know, you're absolutely right. And where the Nuggets are right now is a team that is playoff ready. And how where, where you make the judgment to go? We need to add something in free agency. Or we keep we keep continuing to quote develop. Where how you make that decision is the hardest decision you can make. Rebuilding comparatively is easy if you know what you're doing, right? But one of the hardest things to do is go from good to great. It, it just that it, you just need to take that. There's the special sauce that a lot of people just don't get. You know, Portland is one of those teams that probably should be greater than they are. You know, they just beat the Nuggets. Uh, in this series, but they have spent a significant amount of playoff years, like right in that three to six yeah, range, being kind of <laughs> mediocre. Good, yeah, not good, but not great, but not elite. Yeah, yeah, not mediocre, but good. And I think that that is one of those things. Mediocre just, as far as good teams. Yeah, well, yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah, yes, I got yeah. you. I know mediocre of the good. Um, and that is that's hard to that's hard to do. And Masai Ujiri himself will tell you that it is hard to do. Because uh, he has been a had a Toronto team that's been good, and he's not been able to take that leap. Well, this what, year they got Kawhi. That's what we had talked. You know? We had conversations with Masai when he was in Denver because the Nuggets were in that spot. You know they were yep. pretty good, and how do you how do you get a little bit better? Yep. You know, and that was what he was trying to figure out here before the Raptors came. Calling. Before the Raptors, came. I mean, he got Iguodala, and then you look you know? at. Uh, Look at Philadelphia. They had Colangelo as their GM. Well, they had Hinky. Colangelo comes in. The ringer gets him fired. And now they, they have a different guy. Like, their team looks totally different. They still have Embiid and they still have Simmons. I look at the Nuggets and I think, okay, the biggest thing that I took away from the playoffs was, all right, Jokic and Murray are gamers, dude. Yeah. When the moment is big, whether they made the right play or made the shot or didn't, whatever the case – they were up for it. Yeah. I can't say that about anybody else on the roster. I don't know. Millsap, obviously, yeah, he's good, but Millsap's, I mean, he's old. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and and that's, that's the hard thing, too, because, you know, sometimes players hit their downhill slide, and you're like, how do we replace him? Because yeah. he was doing so much on the roster. How do we replace him? There's so many moving parts to this, and I don't blame anyone if they look at a different situation and they think complete rebuild would be a probably an easier I'm not saying that I'm, by the way this is just my opinion I'm not saying that Tim Connolly would ever think this way but I wouldn't blame anyone to think this because even with John Wall's albatross contract 
Like, if you're going to have to completely tear down something, sometimes that's a lot easier than taking that leap from where the Nuggets are right now to elite, because that's the hardest thing you can do without a straight line. And not many, like the Golden State Warriors, there's not many teams that have that straight line. Yeah, Most of them just take go zigzag, and they get that extra little piece that puts them over the top. See, and then you look at, so let's you got Philly trying to piece together. They have Embiid and Simmons. They add Butler. They add uh, Tobias Harris. They have Redick. They have all these moving pieces, right? Who knows who's going to be there next year? They got a lot of questions to answer. You look at the Celtics. The Celtics were this young, exciting, amazing team that was supposed to be in the finals this year and win 60-plus games, yeah. right? Well, now, what the hell are they going to do? They're in complete chaos. <laughs> and so, I mean, things look super good in Denver, but goddamn, they go fucking south in a hurry. They do. I mean, look at when the Nuggets were the, uh, when they went to the Western Conference Finals, they played Dallas. Uh, they played uh, New Orleans. Oh, first round is New Orleans. And New Orleans, the year before, had gone to the semis against the Spurs and gone to like seven games, right? Yep. And that was like Chris Paul, super young. David West, super young. Yep. Tyson Chandler finally putting together some uh, some promise of his talent, mm-hmm. right? And then they play the Nuggets the next year. The Nuggets beat them. Chandler is on one ankle. I mean, that is a factor. It yeah. pisses me off when people say the Nuggets lost to the Warriors and they don't mention that Gallinari and Freed were hurt. So yeah, that's, I got to make the qualifiers. You got to make some yeah, of those. Exactly. But so you have uh, the, the, that Hornets team was the next big thing. They were going to. Man, they went toe to toe with the Spurs. These guys are going to be amazing. The next year, the Nuggets beat them in the playoffs. That team's never heard from again. Kenyon Martin reduced David West to a pile of quivering Jello. Yeah, and, and so quickly, and 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 that team went from. And you were so right. That is the best example because you can look at them and think like exciting, exciting. They came out of nowhere though, and the and the Nuggets. Well, they were just young. They were young, and then because what that was Chris Paul's what third, fourth season. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, because he came totally in 2005. Know. So, yeah, it was like third or fourth four season. Um, so it was a it was a different. About the was, same as Jokic. Yeah, exactly. And they're at, But right now, the Nuggets are standing at this precipice, and they've, they've de- demonstrated that Jokic is a special talent, and he really showed out big time, I, I think, in, in these playoffs to the point where, oh, you, could, yeah. you know, where people were like, you know, maybe this guy can make everyone look better. Um, there is some argument to be made that uh, Jokic took what the Nuggets had and made them better than maybe they are in reality. Um, I, I would say that for some of the role players. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's um, what you know. So stars do, right? <laughs> I, th- I think Gary Harris is a big re- recipient of Nikola Jokic's greatness, um, but Gary Harris was so good defensively. These these playoffs that it was a little different. Well, um, it's weird too you know. because you had you had really had Harris last season coming into a role of ball handler and a one two game with uh, like a yeah. two man game with Jokic, and they kind of. I mean, it's that's not as heavily a, as part of the offense anymore as it was. Mm-mm. You know, like it's now Murray and Jokic. It's not Harris and Jokic, which is what it was because it's relentless pick and roll. Murray does a little two. bit more. Yeah, it's a lot of that, and you know, it's kind of weird because I mean, the Nuggets were still the Nuggets in the playoffs, but it, I mean, from 
what we always say and talk about the playoffs change. It's a different game. It, it was so much pick and roll with Jokic. You know what it reminded me crazy. of? The flex offense that uh, that the Utah Jazz would run with Stockton and Malone. That's what it reminded me of because it was relentlessly pick and roll, 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 always between the two of them. And that's what I that was working for them, so I can't blame them. But to a certain extent, I think it they they – caused other players to not get as many chances. And it, yeah, and it gave you a glimpse of what like that future could look like with the Nuggets cuz I mean, the whole yay, all these assists and passing and moving and this and that for whatever reason, it doesn't translate into the playoffs. Yeah. What we saw the Nuggets do in the playoffs is what translates into the playoffs. You yeah. just got to become better at it. Yeah. And to me, man, I mean, come on. When I go back and watch, like, go watch uh, the age differences a little bit, but when Kobe Bryant came into the league and was coming off the bench for the Lakers, his first year or two in the postseason, he was horrible. Yeah. And Jamal Murray, to me, played pretty damn well in the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, for, like, some criticism that he received and blah, 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 it's like, dude, this kid's 21, man. Like, Get him in the playoffs a few more years, and I know I, you know, I always talk about NBA windows being so small, but with Murray, it's like, dude, he's just going to get better and better. Like, yeah. he's going to get more confident. He's going to start making those shots. Like, when you watch guys like Harden, Chris Paul, Curry, whoever, Jordan, somebody had posted all these Jordan fadeaways the other day. It's like, really in the playoffs, and LeBron tweeted it, was talking about, you know, a good shot's a good shot in the playoffs, a two's a two, whatever. When Murray starts hitting all those little jumpers off pick and rolls and hitting those floaters with consistency, game over, dude. You got Jokic crushing it, Murray crushing it. Then it's like, all right, who's going to join those guys? And that's what Conley's yep. got to figure out. Yep. Is Harris a fa- is Harris a guy? Is Barton the guy? Is Malik Beasley going to be a part of this? Yeah. You know, can Monty Morris step in there? Uh, let's talk. And I didn't. I've been waiting for you to where you and I could podcast together to talk about this. What would you do if you were Tim Connolly, say, saying that Tim Connolly remains in Denver? What would you do with Will Barton? I don't know. I was I was pretty surprised at, uh, uh, I don't want to say Nuggets fans, but I was pretty surprised by all of the hate that I saw he was receiving on Twitter. And I'm a pretty big Barton critic. I didn't think that they should have. I, I like the fact that they brought him off the bench and played him. I didn't think that Malone should have completely benched him. I tend to think that there has to be something physically wrong with Barton or that he didn't recover quite right. I, I, I don't know. I'm not around anymore, but I would tend to think that something had to be wrong with him because he didn't look right. By, by the way, did you see another Nuggets player went in for core surgery? Wancho? Wancho had oh, Wancho surgery on his surgery. core. So that is like, I believe, the fifth player in the last <laughs> in the last three years that has had a core injury. You know, Say what you will <laughs> about all the... Um, Fat comments with Jokic, and mm-hmm. God dang, there's a lot of them. Uh, Christian Clark had a great one that was on Twitter when he asked Jokic about uh, if he's getting tired or not or something, and Jokic gave like a funny response. Oh, it was the oh, what was that? Um, I wanted to retweet it and say, "Hey, you're fat. Why are you so fat?" And this is Jokic <laughs> saying, "Shut up. Stop asking me if I'm fat. <laughs> hey, you're fat. Well, that's your problem, fat. Eat too much pie." But dude, yeah. honestly, like you see all these guys get injured and stuff, and to me, I, I always come back to dude. Andre Miller never used to get hurt, and he really he did pick up a basketball in the off season. But he would like there's stories around Denver of him playing at 24 Hour Fitnesses, at rec centers, this and that. Uh, wasn't a big weightlifter, this and that and the other. Never really got hurt. Played a ton of basketball. Jokic, 
I don't really care if he's not going to be like the yeah. Joel Embiid of centers. What is Joel Embiid? He's ripped up, he's huge, and he's hurt a lot. And he misses 35 games a year. Like, there's something <laughs> to be said for not overtraining, dude. There really is. I think, you know, and this is my theory, and I get roasted for this constantly. You had less injuries in the 80s because players didn't work out as much. I, I think that there's something to overstressing your body because this is a an endurance. Were there less injuries in the 80s? Yeah. There, there were people had less catastrophic injuries in the eighties, like you would keep, like there's less knee injuries other than Calvin Nett. It seems um, like you have to tear an ACL at some point. <laughs> it's part of the right of passage. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, Kerber is like, yeah, it's it's true. And I think people people, it's a cardio sport. It's not a, in it's it's not it's not a strength sport like the NFL. Um, who cares how, how how I mean, especially with the way the NBA is now. Who cares how strong you are? If you can get your shot, you can get your shot. Yeah, and right? it's like Jokic was never going to have a 90-inch vertical, so I would rather him be not as aesthetically pleasing as long as he plays a lot. <laughs> you yeah. know, I don't give a shit. Look how you want to look, dude. And the 80s was a more physical time, and uh, they allowed more, you know, elbows and all this shit. But I will tell you what. Nikola Jokic got beat up a lot in these oh, playoffs, yeah. especially even, against the Spurs. Even when you're watching games, like uh, I'd be watching games with people, and they're like, "Look at all those cuts on his arm." I'm yep. like, "Oh yeah, I mean yeah. that's." You look at any player really in the NBA They'll around their shoulders, and there's just scars from fingernails everywhere. It's it's terrific. It's ridiculous, and and he was beat up. And I can't tell you what he impressed. Bring me. back the sleeve jerseys, damn it! <laughs> I know you like you like. Did you like those white ones the Nuggets had? Yeah, the white power ones. <laughs> those are a little weird, weren't they? It's like, well, I don't know, guys. Maybe you retire that. I think way. we we don't need to be. <laughs> I was kidding. Yeah, I did like those white jerseys. Those, yeah, those the, the, cool. they look like pajamas to me, but they but they, they were like nice pajamas. Yeah, yeah, like pajamas you get at like a fancy hotel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like here. These are for you, sir. Complimentary with the spa treatment. Yes, exactly. Um, but I, I. You know where the Nuggets are right now, and, and this is a good, good, you know, kind of a good segue into this. Where the Nuggets are right now, they went into the playoffs at a two seed and surprised everyone, and then they kind of finessed the league to get to kind of the per- favorable matchups that they thought were favorable. I don't think this worked was for the Nuggets in two thousand nine. Yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> it's what they say: playoffs are about matchups; they're not about necessarily anything else. And uh, well, I mean, uh, you got to make some shots. You do, and, and I t- tell you what, if. You know, I was talking to you Nuggets about didn't fucking missed nine hundred threes. They'd probably still be playing basketball. I was, I was, what was I saying before the podcast? It wasn't, it wasn't CJ McCollum that hurt the Nuggets. It was Evan Turner. You know, you get a guy who is complete dog shit for most of the playoffs, and he's like suddenly has fourteen How points. About Rodney Hood works out for the Nuggets <laughs> pre-draft, pukes, totally out of shape, horrible. Comes back in the playoffs and murders the Nuggets. I will never forget that story. When was that? That was that uh, workout 2013? I don't even know who Rodney Hood was at that time. Yeah, it was uh, from Duke, right? And yeah. then he uh, he came here and he just like his workout was not garbage. Good. It was not good. Um, but it wasn't you know, as bad as Justice Winslow. Maybe. Oh my god, that was, that was still. <laughs> I still get I still get shit for but that. To answer your original question, what would I do with Barton? He didn't look right to me in the playoffs. Mentally, you know, he's always there. He's a gamer. My biggest thing with Barton is he's a great rebounder. I like his rebounding ability, um, his defensive rebounding ability. I love his ability around the rim when he's going to the rim. Just like any other shooter, when he gets hot, he wants to keep shooting. Um, Simmons always talks about it. There's players in the league that 
it's good when they get hot because they're, if they get somewhat hot, like if Barton scores 16 for you, the Nuggets are probably winning that game. Yeah. Barton scores 35 for you, you probably lost that game. Yeah. Um, I would probably turn the position over to Michael Porter Jr. and trade Will Barton and go with somebody else as your backup. So you would commit to the youth. <laughs> Just commit to the youth 100%. Fucking, don't get me wrong. I love farting Will Barton. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any place on this team to pay him. What is he making? Sixteen to twenty million, somewhere in that range. Um, twelve, twelve per, I think. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I keep him. Yeah, I think it was uh <laughs> four. It was four forty eight, right? So yeah. It was oh shit. Per. Okay, I take everything back. <laughs> Here's what I do. <laughs> I start Michael Porter Jr. and I bring Barton off the bench. And if <laughs> Barton doesn't want to come off the bench, I trade him. <laughs> I just we we are back to our uh, what was our old mantra is that we. Are we no takesies backsies? We don't. We don't always have accurate information here on the. Uh, on the, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Fill the dead air, dude. I'm <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure you're right. But that's what I would. If, if Barton's on a reasonable contract, I I'd keep him and try to work him into a bench role. He's killer off the bench, and you can turn the offense over to him off the bench. I thought mate, naming him a starter last Ooh, year I was, was wrong. a mistake. It's four years, fifty three million. Four fifty three. Trade him. So thirteen. <laughs> Thirteen to a year? No, wait. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, right around there. So about fourteen million is, okay. is probably too much for him. I'd probably keep him next year because next year you're probably going to be able to restructure Millsap's contract. That's a big one. Um, you should be able to bring him back if you get a better option. I might take it. I wasn't very impressed with Millsap at all. I kept telling people that I was watching games with. I go, that guy makes over thirty million dollars this year. Why? And they go, what? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Now, your your impression as I slam down a coffee cup, um, your impression of Millsap, particularly after Game Five, because Game Five is the one where he went off and they posted him up like a billion times. Yeah, and uh, Portland adjusted and he was completely shut down in both Game Six and Game Seven. Do you think that a a different player wouldn't have been allowed been able to be shut down so thoroughly like that. No, probably not. I mean, Portland's killer at adjustments. Mm-hmm. Stotts is a good coach. I think I just think Millsap's old. If if you can get him back, I'd I'd have him back next year and have him starting still. Yeah. But I don't want to pay him anywhere near ten million dollars. I want to pay him like seven. I, I wish they could give him the mid-level exception, but I don't. I don't. <laughs> How much is that now? Like I, nine? I think it's like eight, eight, uh, eight or nine. It's like the, uh, the. But I, I don't know if they can do that. I don't think they can decline him and sign him to the NLE. So. He's weird because he's good and he's bad at the same time. Like he's got bad hands sometimes. Like Jokic will throw him a pass and he just drops it. He tries to dribble. He loves to dribble off his feet and his legs sometimes. You know. I mean, yeah. I can't dribble for shit. So whatever. He's and a, then he's a good defensive player. His passing's good. His defense is good. Sometimes he's not an incredible shot blocker, but he makes some incredible blocks. Yeah. Um, he's tough. He's experienced. He's everything you want. Everything you really need. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, he's good, but it's not. He doesn't look like the Paul Millsap from three years ago. No. No, uh, the, the Paul, peak Paul Millsap was probably that Atlanta team from 2014-15, right on there. Yeah, but I think if you I think if you can bring him back in a reasonable rate for another season, why not? I mean, who else are you going to bring in here? Blake Griffin? Is he a free agent? No. 
Yeah. No, he's got a massive contract, too. Oh, that's right. He's got a mega deal. So, I mean, yeah, who else are you going to bring in? I don't really want to bring anybody else in. He seems to be... Uh, how about... Uh, how about uh, Millsap's not super T-Rex selfish, either. Um, in New Orleans right uh, now. Julius Randle? Julius Randle, yeah. I love me some Julius Randle. I mean, I, I think... Like uh, isn't he a free agent? He might be. I think... Yeah, I think he might be. His defense is just horrific, isn't it? I think he improved this year. I, I, I mean, he really stood out to me. Of course, he was with Dude, Chris. He's a badass offensive player. Though. He was I with Chris Finch this year, and I think that that really helped his offense. Speaking of Nuggets, not one to pay people. <laughs> um, <laughs> Chris Finch, ladies Chris and gentlemen. Finch, yeah. Offensive genius. <laughs> yeah, genius. Puts together one of the best offenses anyone's ever seen in years. Let's let him go. <laughs> Um. Yeah, dude. It. It. Uh, I. I like Millsap, and I hate him at the same time. Well, I just don't. I like. Don't, I like when Millsap's good, and when he's bad, I don't like him. You don't need him <laughs> taking up that much of your cap. Yeah, you got to restructure that deal. Um. And look, but the he, Nuggets need. They need fucking Jarrett Vanderbilt too. I forgot about him. Yeah, but I mean, I, this is something that can I, he I, play? I, I, I don't know. It's, it's we start this guy. Is he the next Montrez Harrell? He's who was much better than Ken Fareed. I mean, I, I got to tell you, he's anything with uh, Vanderbilt is theoretical at this point. But I mean, he he's a good passer. He's a really good passer for a. For um, a Conley told board. us on the pod. He yeah. loves his passing, loves his rebounding, loves his toughness, loves his attitude. I'm like, well, great. Sounds passer. like a player. I mean, he's but a like, he's a gamer. So the difference is with a guy like Vanderbilt. I don't know how well he finishes around the rim. Julius Randle, if he's anywhere around the rim, ball's going in the hoop. This is true. This is 100% true. And Barton's I, are the same way. Barton's a guy that can somehow slink his little body through the lane and get you layups, and he can make them at a ton of different angles. How much would Julius Randle work with Nikola Jokic, though? I don't know. And see, that's when you start. You bring in, you lose Millsap and you bring in Randle, you have a completely different team. See, like 100% different. I think Nikola Jokic's dream lineup would be him and a bunch of shooters you know play it like the old orlando magic did where uh it was dwight howard and a bunch of people who shot threes do you think do you think porter has any possibility of playing power forward or is he 100 percent small forward like i think he is i thought the same thing about wancho no i thought wancho should have been a four at wancho was a four um his career is done I, you know, I don't know. I, I, he, I think he was affected by the core injury <laughs> this year. Mono last year, the core this year. What's next year going to be? I don't know. The plague. He's getting bad in Spain. Guys. He's just going to get old timey injury and you know, old timey diseases. You know? I thought Wancho was going to be perfect, dude. I really did. I thought he was going to be a starter. I thought he was going to be a player. I thought worst case scenario, he would be like a really good bench player. Now, what the I, hell happened to him? I, he just—it it was. The, I think this year, I've from what it was explained to me, is that later in the year, like from January, he had that core injury. So before that, though, was he tearing shit up? Yeah, he had a good start to the year. But remember, he was starting. Yeah, he started because of the injury to to Barton. To Barton, yep. And, and uh, messed around with the lineups, dude. I really like. Uh, sorry, let's continue with Wancho. <laughs> Wancho dunk, gotcho dunk. <laughs> Um, no, no, that's not, that's all I had with Wancho. I mean, I it's 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 really hard to just figure where some of these guys fit in. You know, it it really is, and you start thinking about okay, like the Trey Lyles experiment's over, right? Yeah, uh, man, there's two guys 
who will definitely not be back. Trey Lyles, Tyler Lydon. Lydon? Yeah, because they declined his option. Oh. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one thing that would... He the the word the one of the most disheartening drafts in Nuggets history <laughs> featured Tyler Lydon and it has nothing it's not his fault. It's just that Rayful <laughs> France draft is pretty fucking brutal. Oh, that was the worst. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, I, I just start yeah, like you're talking about who are the Nuggets going to put around? To me, it's who are they going to put around Murray and Jokic? Is Harris still part of that core? Is he untouchable? I think for now, yeah. I mean, you got to see more from him in the next playoffs. I, I believe he's be entering into the third year of his contract. He's making about eighteen, yeah. right? Yeah. So you got to make sure on him. Yeah. Next year is probably a make or break year for Harris. I mean, he's got. Uh, they structured his deal to where he's got like some incentives. His final final season, I think. Um, I his, love Harris. His actual average is not that big, so his contract is actually pretty reasonable. Um, for what he does, the Harris's problem is that he's always injured. I mean, he always misses thirty games a year now, and that's crazy. It's just, and it's, it's like you, it's not that big of a deal considering Malik Beasley is. How the hell did Michael Malone develop such trust with Malik Beasley? Malik I, Beasley seems like that guy that George Carl would have just buried, but every time he played him, he <laughs> kicked ass. You know, and you're I mean, like, I can play him, George. Every team needs a J.R. Smith, right? Yeah, because and, and and not quite as as crazy as 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 J.R. Smith was, but I mean Malik. One of the things that saves Malik. Why are you is comparing Malik Beasley and J.R. Smith? Because it's a horrible cop. Because he is <laughs> athletic. He's your utility guy off the he's, bench. He's a utility. I mean, they play the same position. It's the yeah. it's the utility guy, freakishly athletic guy. Doesn't dribble the ball as much as J.R. did, um, but he is the freakishly athletic person who gets by largely because he is that athletic. Yeah, he's I mean, a freak. There's no one on the Nuggets team as athletic as Malik Beasley. Period. And you know that that's one of those things. He's fun to watch play. I like Beasley when he's going and he gets those. Dunks going. I mean, I forget which game it was. I think it was game two or game one against the Spurs where he almost, you know, after Derek White had his dunk on Paul Millsap, he came back and, like, almost, like, annihilated someone on the other end with a dunk. It was like crowd got crazy. Did you talk much that. with uh, Beasley? A little bit. I mean, he's a nice guy. I, I, but I, I I, don't know him as well as uh, some other guys. I don't know him as, say, as well as I knew Wilson Chandler. Is Beasley a talker? Is, like, is he, like... Chatting or is he kind of a uh, not really dresses and get the hell out of there. He doesn't talk as much as Will Barton does. Oh yeah, I mean, who does? Will Barton <laughs> loves to talk, man. <laughs> uh, who's a real talker in that locker room? Not a lot of people. Well, I just wonder with Malik. I wonder what his like his mental makeup is like. He just he seems like a very interesting player, and it's hard to be like. Even when they drafted him out of Florida State at nineteen, coming off an ACL, it's like, dude, this kid was a lottero lotto pick if he's healthy, and it's. To yeah. me, Malik Beasley is a sky is the limit type guy. Still, I, I don't think that you, we can cap anything with him yet. If he shows more consistency with his shot and just a little more consistency overall, he's going to be killer. He was drafted same one as Jamal Murray, right? So that was yeah. the Murray Wancho, <laughs> Murray Wancho, Murray Wancho, and, and uh, Beasley. And Beasley, That's right? Yeah. And then, la- and then the 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 disaster draft of two thousand seventeen. That one actually had uh, second round Monty Morris, you know, and Vlako Chanchar, who is actually I have seen um, play, and he is I think he's going to be good. I talked to a couple people about him uh, in the know, 
and they raved about uh, Chanchar. They said, like, this guy is amazing. And is it going like, to be like, uh, what was that guy, Radicevich? Not, no, no. <laughs> It's going to be another Nicole, another Nikola. He's, he's the next Radicevich, uh, the, the next the, uh, uh, Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic, yes, yes, yes. he's <laughs> yes. the next Dragic. He's got. He's got. Sadly, we never saw much of him besides yeah. the bench. At, I'll uh, never at forget. I will never forget <laughs> when he was out here a couple of years ago. I went over and I said, "Ken, you want to you want to interview?" And he goes. Why do you want to talk to me? <laughs> He's like, dude, I suck. <laughs> I'm horrible. <laughs> well, I'll never forget that. He's like, no, I just want to talk to you. And I, I put it on the CSG, old CSG YouTube that doesn't exist anymore. I, but I, I, I do really wonder, though, yeah, what, what does the starting lineup look like next year? I think ideally it would be Murray, Harris, Porter, Millsap, Jokic. That's what I would try to do. And I'd try to go Morris, uh, Beasley, Barton, Question mark at power forward and Plum Dog. Is Plum Dog still around or is he a free agent? Uh, no, he's he's still under contract. All right. Um, I talk about someone who had a rough playoff. Yeah, Old I Plum didn't. Dog. I didn't like the uh, Jokic Plumley lineups at all because both those guys are good passers. Yeah. That are that need space to operate. Yeah. And I I didn't like playing those guys at the same time. I wasn't a big fan of that. In some stretches, is it effective? Of course it is, um, but overall, not a huge fan of the of the big lineups. Well, it's because Plumley, his his inclination is to dive to the to the to exactly. the rim, and it, clo- it clogs shit up. <laughs> it just clogs the paint like you would not believe. Um, in an era where there's like manufactured spacing, he. He makes it to where it's '90s spacing. Yeah, <laughs> there. So it's it. It is one of those things. But I, I honestly, honestly, I like that lineup that you you put in there. I like I like the I like having Porter in there. I just don't think they're going to start him. I think they're going to bring him off the bench, and because I think they're I think there's a natural inclination to be protective of whatever injury. Uh, well, the there's back. that, and he hasn't yeah. earned anything yet. You no. got to make him earn it. Yeah. You're gonna start. You're gonna start Barton again, and I, and I hope they don't. I, I, Barton is best coming off the bench. I've just, I've, I've never really understood the. Uh, I mean, I guess I do. I, nobody wants to be the backup quarterback, you know. Yeah, I've never understood the reluctancy of guys not embracing a bench role of being like the leader of the bench. What is it? Uh, who is it? Yeah, it was George. George used to say it's not who starts, who it's who finishes. Yeah. And I wouldn't really want Barton out there to finish either though. It's sometimes. Sometimes hey, hey when he's got it going, he's got it going. He's got some game winning shots. Yeah. You know, under the his problem belt. is he will take those game winning shots if he's out there, you know? Like he still thinks there's a natural pecking order to the team, but if Barton's got the ball, he's at the top of that pecking order. <laughs> <laughs> I love Will Barton. I love like I I love hate Will Barton as well. Love, love, I love hate. hate every single player. When players are good, I love them. When players are bad, I hate them. But see, that's the it's thing. Easy. And and I think at, at essence, and I, I've always said this. I did a podcast with Brendan Vote. He was where he talks to media, and yeah. I and I told him I said, Brendan, I I'm not I'm not media. I'm a fan. I'm I've always been a fan. And the good the good thing about like you know being from perspective where you always watch it on TV, kind of like I was back in 2009, is that. You are free to be as emotional as you could possibly be right. with this. And then, like, you, you don't have to, like, step back and be objective. And I, I kind of miss those days because I, I honestly, 
there were times where I wanted to be as completely irrational as possible <laughs> with these people. You know, just be completely irrational and not have to worry about anything else. Just be saying like, this guy's a bum. Yeah. Why they're losing because of this guy. And then the next day he's like, oh, I love him. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> it's funny how you get those, uh, like, I don't know. I was just seeing that, you know, Malone's up for coach of the year, right? He's a finalist for coach yeah, of the year. Yeah, one of the three finalists. Yeah. Had the Nuggets beaten the Blazers, he easily should have gotten it because they manufactured the end of their season to be able to have those matchups. So had the Nuggets beaten the Blazers, I think you have to have, that would have been the only time you had to factor in the postseason with the regular season success because Malone was a damn genius if the Nuggets beat the Blazers. Yeah. The Nuggets lost to the Blazers. You can't win coach of the year because, sure, you set yourself up, but you didn't ultimately succeed with your plan. Sorry, you don't win it. But it was a hell of a run, and they should have given it to him if the Nuggets would have beat the Blazers. I thought I thought that he did a fine job this year. I think in previous years it's been a learning experience for him, and there are, day, there are games where you could point to – decisions he made that cost the Nuggets games, <laughs> and they were very obvious. As far as the coaching yeah. aspect goes, Malone's a better coach of the year candidate like in the locker room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. As far as the actual X's and O's, I don't know. I still get from like, yeah, yeah, it's Jokic. Bro. I still cool. say he gets the yips. He gets the yips sometimes, and I, I think that that... And the weird timeouts, you can always... It's like, those, like don't... He's really improved a, on those this year. I yeah, would give he him that. He, he, he really didn't take them as... I mean, when was it your last year? He would he would take the timeout uh, like less than a minute before the quarter break. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, why are you? Doing I know. And they just come back. <laughs> and then I noticed too in the playoffs. You know, Jokic still did those absolutely infuriating, like grabbing lower oh, to half court. It's like, those. why are you guys like? I was so pissed in that game seven at all those damn free throws the Nuggets were giving them. And I'm just like, why are they doing this? Why are they fouling away from the ball? They're in the damn bonus. Oh. You fouled the guy 54 feet away from the damn hoop. Like, I was losing my mind. I think I, but those I, are the things that come with experience, well, right? Yeah, like, and I, I told you uh, before the podcast, it reminded me of the, as everyone knows, everything comes back to the 94 team for me, but um, the, it reminded me of the 94 team when they hit the game, game seven wall in the fourth quarter against the Jazz. Where it just everything caught up to them. They they lost their legs. They lost their momentum. They lost everything, and it looked to me like in the second half specifically, both Jamal and to a certain extent some other maybe Gary Harris and Paul Millsap, they just hit the brick wall and they could not overcome it. And it seemed like too once they got like tired, like mentally tired or maybe even physically tired, like you indicate there, that it just like they're the smart basketball decision-making went out the window. There was, like, three-point attempts. And it's like, then they had a couple... Well, Tory like a, Craig tooting that air ball three-pointer after they get the steal. Was one, it, it was, yeah, they had some, like, two-on-one, three-on-one scenarios where he, they shot threes out of them. And, and then like, he overshot Or they're them. dying to get a basket. It's like, just go get a fucking basket. <laughs> just go get a layup. It's right there. It's like, I was sitting there. The and Blazers was, were, like, trying to let the Nuggets blow them out, and they wouldn't do it. It's I had like, my head... Blow him out! <laughs> I had my head in my hands, and I'm like, <laughs> of all the people you want shooting a three-pointer there, it is not Torrey Craig. And <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, Torrey Craig probably bought himself another five years in the NBA with his uh, playoffs. I'll tell you what, the, 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 the Malone's best decision He looks was, like the shit, dude. I like Torrey Craig. Uh, Malone's best decision was bringing Torrey Craig in on, in the starting lineup because at that point he served the Dante Jones role. You I know. think every time he makes a basket, they should play, this is how we do it. 
Montel Jordan. He just sound <laughs> every time I think Tory Craig, bro, I can't not think of like R and B music. <laughs> he just sounds like an R and B singer, doesn't it? <laughs> Tory does. Craig. Can't you see his C D at Best Buy where he's got like this semi serious <laughs> look on his face? No shirt on. No shirt on. Yeah. yeah, yeah kind of like, sweaty. Like Maxwell. And yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, or he's just in like a suit, you know, like on the back, he's just in a suit. Looks all oh sharp. Oh, my God. I'm, now, I'm, every time I look at Tory Craig, I'm not going to be able to it's unsee, R&B, unsee that. It's R&B. Oh I bet he listens to R&B. Yeah, I bet he does. <laughs> you know, he spent some time in Australia. I mean, whatever they listen to down there. Did he? What ended up ultimately happening with his nose? It was just a bruise. He didn't break his nose. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I he think got rid his, of that damn mask asap too. Yeah, he got rid of the mask, but he injured his. I think he jammed his uh, finger at, in Game Seven. I remember that talking to. Uh, damn it! Was it Chandler that played with a mask for a very brief time? Yeah, I, I talked to somebody Wilson. at the Nuggets. Yeah, that played with a mask, and they talked about how horrible it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think Kufis played with one too for a short duration, and oh, just kept talking about it fogging up and feeling funny on his face. It's like I wouldn't be able to play with a yeah. fucking mask. You know, on. talking about a guy who uh, doesn't need more things making him look unusual goes to Kufis. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, Kufis, <laughs> the camera can see on top of your head. You're bald. Shave yeah. your head, Kufis. Yes, exactly. <laughs> God, wasn't Costa Kufis on the the Ohio State uh, teams that played Florida in the championship games with Odin? Wasn't he like the back? Yeah, I think he was because he was uh, he had a rivalry with Mark Titus, who was on those teams. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I I don't know why I remember that shit, but those those Florida teams that had Corey Brewer and uh, (laughs) yeah Al uh, Horford, Al Horford and Joakim Joakim Noah. Noah. Yeah, those are some good ass Florida teams. Man. Um, but yeah, I think the Nuggets got some players, though, dude. That's the other thing is if you, if Michael Porter assumes a starting small forward position and if you can get a frost advisory, what the hell is happening with this weather? Um, <laughs> but if, uh, so if you have, that's the big thing, too, is Torrey Craig. Yeah. I mean, he's older, right? What is he, 28? Uh, yes. Something like that? Yeah, he's 28. Why not make him the backup small forward and just let Barton go? Trade him. I I think Will Barton has some value as as your sixth man. I mean, tremendous uh, value. Uh, but Tory Craig has tremendous value as a bench player as well. Yeah, but he's more of a defensive specialist. And I mean, those guys are really hard to slot because yeah. if you're not starting them, it's hard to bring in a guy in the second unit that's just a defensive specialist, you know? But then in the playoffs, I mean, he was, like, essential to a lot of what they were trying to do. Yeah, well, yes, he was. Well, like I said, he, he served the Dante Jones role. It was the guy yeah. that was, a, <laughs> you know, a, the, but he played more than Dante Jones did. But, I mean, uh, honestly, I think the Nuggets probably would have been better off if they just played him. What did George used to play Dante Jones? Like, what, the first, the first eight, eight minutes, minutes of each half? Yeah. Like, the first first half and the second half, and you never saw him again. Yeah, and then the fourth quarter, played. he'd come into key defensive scenarios. Yeah, and he Remember was he in, tripped Kobe. Yeah. He was great. in there to... Um, Agitate and defend. I, I People who... People who um, think that, you know, guys like that can... There's guys, there's guys like that who can in, in like serve a role, and if they do the role to the best, then they are absolutely invaluable to your team. Kind of like Andre uh, Roberson. Well, uh, Bruce Bowen. Okay, Bruce Bowen would come Bowen. in and injure players' ankles. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you had uh, who's the Allen? 
on the Grizzlies. Um, Tony Allen. Tony Allen. <clears throat> yep. You know, but he played more than than Dante Jones ever did. Uh, but th- those guys come in and they serve a role. But it's hard to slot them in in, in other places. Like with a yeah. bench unit that you need to score, it's kind of like playing. You know, you're, you're already playing the not the best players. You know. Yeah, because you look at that and you're like, okay, so you have Monty and you'd have Beasley. Well, Morris is not a. He's not going to shoot it twenty times a game. He's just not going to do that. Plumley's not. Beasley's probably not. Uh, so I mean, yeah, that, that is pretty much cut and dry for a guy like Will Barton, unless you got a big time scoring power forward to come off your bench. But I mean, that's pretty. <laughs> it's not very likely in the NBA anymore. Did you? Have I can't you seen- think of much bench units that feature a power forward that does a lot of scoring. <laughs> Not anymore. Is there any? It's Not always anymore. either a two or a three. Yeah. Right? I like, can't think of a I can't think of an NBA history many power forwards that kind of fill, come off the bench and and, and and fill it up. And filled it up. I can you think of any? I mean, yeah, maybe. It'd take a while though. I don't I don't super boring. recall I mean Kevin McHale. He, he was a six man. McHale, he, he was a six man for a while, right? Yeah, he came off the bench and he was a center slash power forward. Yeah, I, think I can't that's it. in this in today's NBA it's hard to imagine. I that can't I can't a possibility. Think of that. So in the NBA so you gotta keep Barton. You know, you're not gonna get you're probably not gonna get out of Beasley. He's not gonna create for himself a bunch. Well I I take that back because uh, like players will come in and there are fours that they'll just shoot all they do is shoot threes. Yeah. So it's like well like Ursan Ilyasova or maybe yeah like like a guy like that Nikola Mirotic yeah or Dario Saric (laughs) or someone like that uh, who's kind of a three but you know yeah so I mean that's when you need the uh, Tim Connolly front office to find you a guy in the draft that's going to be able to do that down the road bringing it full circle Nate yeah full circle and I I I agree and I've done and to address this. I like I said again. I am not convinced that he will be leaving. I don't think things are necessarily as they were portrayed via media re- media reports yesterday. Um, Where is Conley? You talked to him. Is he even there? Is he even in DC? Do we no, even yeah, know? He, he went there. He went there to he went there to listen. That is one hundred percent true. But I don't think certain things that were reported yesterday are true. Does um, he still have family that works for the Wizards? I don't think so. No. Not anymore. Yeah, other teams. All right. Joe we, always say this about, we always say this about NBA players, so let's say it about front office guys too. Hey, man, you got the whole summer to live wherever you want, right? Yeah. Stay in Denver. Stay in Denver, man. <laughs> the weather here, I will tell you this. I would rather live in Denver and then go, then go back to D.C. where it's humid all the time. Conley put it on the court. <laughs> yeah. The days of sunshine, right? Yeah. yeah. Just right here. Is it 300 plus? What is on the court? Oh, it's yeah, two hundred, three hundred. Yeah. I think three, it's three hundred. Three hundred days, days of sunshine. sunshine. Yeah, yeah, he put it on the court for a reason. Yeah, he's told us countless times on this podcast. He's a Denverite now. Yep, and he's uh, seeing the city grow. He can't leave. You can't leave Tim. And I, I, <laughs> I will say this: I, we both know Artur. We met. We both met um, Arturis Karnasovas the very same day we met Tim Connolly. Right. Yeah. And um, it, you know, Arturis is a is a good guy, and. Um, I their their personalities are diametrically opposed, not not like in, in opposition, but they're just completely different personalities. Yeah, they're and, very very different, and seem by all indications, by all the success we've seen, work tremendously together. They complement each other tremendously. Yeah, you know, and and that's one of those things where you you re, you remove a piece, does it work as well? 
you know. You and the same would those... apply to Connolly if he left. Right, because those you know? two together, it's like they probably have disagreements, you know, or mm-hmm. they see things differently but probably come to the same conclusions on some things through different means. And then sometimes, you know, one guy may want to go one way and they might talk each other back or, you know, mm-hmm. it's a... That's what I like about how this Denver front office works and how they, you know, we don't know everything. Obviously, we've never, well, we've gotten to sit in on a couple of cool things here and there, but you never get the full picture. Media is never going to have a full picture of what goes on behind closed doors. No. Like, even, if you, if you, even if you're in the locker room every game, you don't know shit about that team mm-hmm. still for, no. for a very large part. You know what I mean? When you're in there, it's different than when you're out of there. Even when you walk in there and it's loud and fun and going crazy, and you go in there and things change. I, I will tell you, I, I'll say this something I said on Twitter about three, four weeks ago. Inevitably, we're all wrong after all we say. It's because we don't know everything that goes on. It's just, it's impossible to know everything. And we, we can only get snapshots of what it is. And, and, and you know, quite frankly, I, I on, a, on a selfish level, I would miss. Having Tim, I mean, I think you'd say the same thing. I miss having Tim available. Yeah. Uh, I miss miss him as a person, but I mean, I miss him how like being able to come on the podcast and do what he has done with us for six years. You yeah, know? and we talked about it when we had Masai here. We felt pretty spoiled having a GM that was so outreaching to a come blogger to community that was not respected really by national standards of what media is. And that know? was basically dipping their toe in the water with us too, because remember, you weren't. Uh, you were, I think you were still in Co- Cody Casper Casper when um, uh, that we had the Carmelo Anthony going away party, which was not a great idea uh, to call it that. It's <laughs> um, another story, uh, and it's hilarious. That was that was an Andy thing, and I think he would regret that. But we all know Andy and Carmelo Anthony, and um, yeah, Masai and Josh came to that, and that was uh, February of two thousand eleven. Yeah, I mean, no one was doing that stuff for bloggers back then. They, it was them dipping their toe into something that at that point was completely alien. But I tell you what, then it doesn't hold a candle to Tim Connolly fully embracing this, I whatever mean, this is. Connolly, had, he allowed us to do a Q&A with you know, our entire Denver Stiff staff. At one point, at uh, at Jake's, at Jake's, yeah, you know, we got to just fire everyone, everyone there. Got to just fire off whatever questions you had. You know? Yeah, it was fun. It, it, it and I, I, well, I it's I, fun for him too because, like he says, it's fun for him to hear what the fans think and to keep a, a beat on the on the fan perspective. Well, and we are both rel- we're right around his age. You know, we he can relate to us, and I've said this about Stiffs for a long time uh, when we started it. Uh, Andy, Andy's. Two and a half years older than me, like uh, I'm. I'm about four years older than you. We were not guys who were started when we were all in college. You know, we were yeah. all started later on, and became different from what bloggers were. So, in a sense, that stiff stood out a little bit in the, in the blogging community. And I think that our age, believe it or not, I think allowed us to get that embrace. And Tim Connolly, I think, has. I, I, we owe. Uh, I, I'm not. Quote, I'm not going to say "quote unquote." Oh, but he he did something that I don't think any other GM in the league would do. Like I don't. I've done, I've not heard a single GM go on podcasts, local podcasts, like he has with us. Well, that's what I'd say about you know about Tim is he's just such a genuine, real person. It's just, it's just yeah. people like that don't come along every day. No. And when you have him in your organization, you should fight tooth and nail to keep him. 
But it is a credit to the Nuggets that they don't hold guys hostage just because they have a contract either. Yeah. It is nice to be like, hey, man, we know that's your home. That's your childhood. Yeah. That's where you cut your teeth in the NBA. You want to go have a conversation. Go ahead. You know, like it's life. You know, we're not going to keep you here. And and essentially, you know, if if Tim didn't want to be here and wanted to be there, that's what we say with players all the that's, time. It's it's decisions. It's your that's own a credit life. To Josh. You know, you, you know? know that's a that's a Josh Kroenke thing, and I'm glad, I'm glad that Josh has that view. It sucks know? because at the same time, you can take that outlook and say, is Josh Kroenke even? Or is Stan Kroenke and Josh Kroenke and Ann Kroenke are they even competitive? Do they want to win? Do they mm-hmm. want to field the team here? Yeah. They're going to have all these great guys come in and turn things around and have the franchise looking up, and then they're going to let them leave. Screw that. Like there's a lot of I saw a lot of that on Twitter and I can't I can't totally argue with that either. I mean that's that's legit as well. It's like it's not just a money thing, but I can see both sides of all of it. You there know? is a certain there's a certain media member who I won't name names, but there is a certain media member, prominent media member who I I don't think is is necessarily believing in that Tim Connolly is what he is 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 all that. Um, and I think that kind of thing leads to people underestimating Tim Connolly. And I think he has really played, he has done the Columbo thing really well. I mean, he has done the, you're underestimating me kind of like Nikola Jokic. And this is why I, I bring this all back. <laughs> they do have pretty, uh, <laughs> I bring, they don't I, want credit for shit. Yeah. You I know bring I mean? this all back. <laughs> this team, people say yeah. like they reflect, they reflect Nikola Jokic. No, this, this entire organization reflects Tim Connolly. Damn, dude, that's a great. That's I never thought about that. And and Tim's personality is all over everything in this organization, including Nikola Jokic. Dude, when they when they say though that there is this like when you hear media guys like when we all talk about this culture change that happened in Denver when we were in the locker rooms with Nate Robinson blasting music and. Yeah. Basically, it was like walking into a freaking funeral home in there some nights, you know, yeah. and it was like it's so it was so different by the time I left with what Conley had ushered in and with what Michael Malone had ushered in. Yeah. The culture that they built and even it's a credit, like you said, it's a reflection of of Tim Connolly. I mean, the whole thing. Totally. And it's it, it's a, I can't imagine, you know, like Adam Mares and Harrison Wind and all these guys that are bringing us this news. I mean, this is a tremendous organization to, to write about and, and to be around. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's got to be a lot of fun. You remember, I mean, look, you got to, you were there a lot with the 2012-13 squad. I mean, you, that, that was, that was, you got to cover a really a joyous time with, with the Denver Nuggets winning 57 games. There's nothing like that, you know, yeah. especially during that 15-game winning streak. You know that there was that's that's something that uh, you know I was semi there, but you were there all the time, and the contrast between that and the following season was so stark, and so I, I even with the, the ushering in Tim Connolly and whatever he brought in, the contrast in the locker room was just unbelievable, and it took years for that to change. I mean, even the first year of Michael Malone's tenure. It wasn't all roses, you know. Uh, not at all. I mean, he still had some odd personalities on mm-hmm. that team. But I, I would even say I wasn't in the locker room, obviously, this year. But from where I was with Malone and Jokic and, and that team, 
that was a completely different vibe even from the Igadala Western Con- or I don't want to say Western Conference Finals team. I have no idea. First round exit. For team. For Jesus. That's, that but the 57 win the team, game. that was a fun locker room and that was a good group of guys and there were some guys that were close. It was kind of a clicky locker room though. There were some little clicks in there. Um but it was it was not like there wasn't the same relationship between George Carl and the players as there is between Michael Malone and the players. There was much more love between Malone and this team than there ever was between Carl yeah. and his team. And even like Igadala was not a very warm personality with the rest of the guys in that locker room. They were they were friendly, obviously, and there's lasting relationships in there. But I don't think, even though that was a fun locker room and a good locker room, it's not like what this team has now, I wouldn't imagine. I would like to write a book about what it was like to cover Nate Robinson. Uh, just personally, just hearing the stuff that you hear in that locker room. Yeah. Is that the, the famous story, I think I've told on this podcast before, uh, it was not a night you were there. It was me and Derek Kessinger and uh, Dylan Thomas and uh, uh, Chris Dempsey. And they, they had all left, and I was waiting for... Dempsey posts! <laughs> I was waiting for Evan Fournier, because he and I would always talk. And I went, just just waking up in the morning, God, thank God. I was just doing, I was doing like, this was a good day. Nate Robinson hears me. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. What are you doing? What are you doing? I said, oh, what are you talking about, Nate? He goes, what are you doing? What are you, was, was that, was that, was that, uh, is that Ice Cube? <laughs> was that Ice Cube? No, say that again. Say that shit again. And I'm like, just waking up. And he says, like, okay, no, 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 no. And he pulls out his phone. And he says, now do it. <laughs> what? So I'm like, just waking up in the morning. Got to thank God. Was he recording know. you? And he recorded me. Uh, rapping to It Was a Good Day. Really? Yes. I never heard this story. You didn't hear this story? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it was it was like, now that I look at that, it was probably something he was just doing because he was being a jerk. But <laughs> it, was, yeah. it, was, it was like, it was, it, but the, it, going back to the vibe in the locker room, it was just insane. And I think that coming from a team that had 157 games, probably overachieved, as we, you know, we all know, to really having to deconstruct a roster that 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 Masai Ujiri was responsible for, to basically completely resetting two years after you 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 reset before to progress to what it is now, and I think that's one of the more remarkable things that I've seen because the Nuggets didn't have a top three pick in that whole time. Yeah. It was the highest picks were Moutier and and Murray. Seven. Right. So I, I think while there have been mistakes, I think uh, Tim Connolly deserves a ton of kudos for where the Nuggets are. Right. I mean, I don't think they get there without him, personally. No, I mean, there's absolutely not. They never would have drafted a single guy on this team without. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, there's so much there for him, and there's still so much left to do. It's uh, It's pretty sweet, man. It, it was pretty fun watching the Nuggets in the playoffs this year. It's pretty cool to see... Um, just the growth of the whole organization, and oh, yeah. like it's finally some of that fruit starting to pay off, right? Like nothing that Conley wanted more than to get to the playoffs. They get to the playoffs, 
They beat the Spurs, dude. I didn't think I'd ever see the Nuggets beat the Spurs oh, in the playoffs so in my that lifetime. So I don't give a shit who's on that team. <laughs> Greg Popovich is still the coach. Yeah. You beat Greg Popovich, you're doing some shit well, right. That was a, I, I sent a text message to you and Andy. I was just like, where does this rank among the Nuggets playoff victories? Because they beat the Spurs for the first time since 1985. And you talked about it a lot on the Mortcast as well as just the adjustments the Nuggets made in that series and like uh-huh. how well Malone adjusted oh, in that series that versus was a, Popovich. Great. That was a great series for Michael Malone. Not so much the Portland series, but the because Terry Stotts outcoached him. And I, you could tell by the Game 6 and Game 7 the Nuggets were following the same pattern that they did in the Spurs series. And I think he... Malone just didn't know what to do by the second half of game game seven, but honestly, that game first series uh, best coaching job I've ever seen Michael Malone do, hands down. Yeah, I was uh, I was pretty uh, I was pretty disappointed with that overtime game. I fell asleep. I didn't even see any of the overtime, but just from hearing about and reading about like the lack of substitutions, that's something that's bothered me for so long. Like when you go into overtimes and. Both coaches almost yeah. always decide to stop substituting people. So it's like when you're playing like a video game and all your players just have no energy. And then like you bring in one guy that just can fly around, you know, it's like, why wouldn't you make substitutions? And only the reason Portland won that game is because Rodney Hood came in and he was completely <laughs> fresh. That's it. They just literally, that was it. I mean, the Nuggets should have won in all four of those overtimes. Rodney yeah. Hood comes in at the fourth overtime and hits a big bucket. Because he was the only one who had any legs. Yeah. I mean, Malik Beasley was on the bench. <laughs> he couldn't bring him in. Uh, <laughs> but then you think about the natural progression, right, of all these great teams that lost. The Warriors lost to the Spurs in round two, right, after they beat the Nuggets. Yeah. Um, the Bulls famously losing to the Pistons. The Celtics losing to whoever they used to lose to. Um, you got to get over these humps, right? You got to have these... Like in the NBA fairy tale land, this is the path. You're a young team, you get surprisingly good, people start paying attention to you, you lose in the playoffs, you come back next year, you go further, you do better, you come back the next year, you win the title. How long can you play with Jokic though? Look at Mark Gasol with the Grizzlies. The you can, we compare Gasol and Jokic quite often. Yeah. The Nuggets compared Jokic and Gasol's numbers before drafting him. Yeah. Uh, Gasol is basically worthless now. <laughs> Boy. Like, he fell off quick, didn't he? Jokic is not going to have, like, a 20-year NBA career, more than likely. He's not going to be able to play at a super high level for a super long time. I don't know. I'm just looking at Mark Gasol and drawing some conclusions. Did Gasol have a nice long run before he's starting to fall off now? Sure. But the Nuggets don't have a ton of time to win a title. Dude, can you imagine? You beat the Blazers. You don't have Kevin Durant for a couple games. The Nuggets match up pretty well with the Warriors, minus Durant anyway, mm. I think. Yeah. The biggest problem with the Nuggets for since the time he's came into the league is guarding Kevin Durant. He fucking kills them. Yeah. He's so damn tall. Yeah. I hope he signs with the Knicks because that will <laughs> pave the way for the Nuggets to win a title. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> I don't even know how many of the players on the Warriors will because re- re- I think they have a decision to make on Clay Thompson. They have a decision to make on uh, Draymond Green too. Nuggets should just sign Clay Thompson. I mean, that, 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 talk about someone who would be perfect. <laughs> talk about someone who would be perfect for the Nuggets. Yeah. Clay effing Thompson. I know. There's just a few guys out there that you can see with the Nuggets where you're like, man, they could get that guy or that guy. That's why I have such high hope for Michael Porter because honestly, you got defense out of Craig, you got defense out of Harris. If you had one more legit scoring option 
you're going to kick some serious butt. The Nuggets mm-hmm. just ran out of scoring options in the playoffs. It was either Murray, Jokic, and the third scoring option was a question mark every single night. It was. It and was. if Murray didn't have it going, you only had one scoring option. Yep. So. That is, that is you are absolutely accurate. See, Nate Timmons, not, not quote-unquote in the media, but still is more wise than most of us. obvious things <laughs> is what I'm best at. <laughs> I've always been good at pointing out the absolute obvious. <laughs> and uh, obviously the most uh, obvious thing ever, Teep Kim, keep Tim Connolly. That's a tough one. Did Teep Kim Connolly. Teep Kim Connolly. Uh, uh, yes, uh, keep <laughs> Tim Connolly. Uh, that is absolutely essential. Uh, I think there's people who people who don't agree for whatever reason. And well, it's just funny to think about the same thing with Malone, right? Like when the Nuggets uh, hired Malone, it was like, that came out of left field. When they hired Connolly, it was like, who? And then there's an article that came out from ESPN shortly after Conley had been with the Nuggets, completely ripping apart the Nuggets' front office. And then the Nuggets laughed at said article and continued on with their plan and now look like evil geniuses. So, eat shit, everybody. Tim Conley is a hot-after commodity. Hot, (laughs) sought-after commodity. It's just, it's okay. You, you don't podcast much time. anymore. I'm having a tough time <laughs> talking. But Tim Conley has turned himself from a no-name hire into a damn superstar, and that's pretty impressive. I mean, it, the, he, he's like a older Nikola Jokic. Look at it this way. You know, everything is, is hooked into Nikola Jokic, right? Jokic isn't here. How good does Tim Conley look? You know, doesn't look that great. But at the same time, he needs credit for getting Nikola Jokic and then constructing a team around Nikola Jokic. You oh, know? Think about it, too. When the Nuggets drafted Yusuf Nurkic and then started to play him, think of how goddamn excited the city, like, not the city. Think of how excited a lot of us hardcore Nuggets fans were yeah. with Nurkic's rookie Taunting season. Cousins, yeah. Going straight at Kobe. Yeah. Didn't he steal it from Kobe or something? Remember, his, uh, he was so nervous in his first playoff game because Kobe was his hero, right? Yeah. But we th- I thought that Nurkic, no, their, I was like... Preseason, not playoff. The thought at the time was, well, maybe this Jokic guy could play power forward because certainly Nurkic is the center of the future for yeah. this franchise. He was it, and it was this whole thing of... Okay, he can pass out of the high post. Remember, they'd run that alley-oop play with Nurkic, and he would throw the bounce pass or the lob. Yep. Pretty damn good at it. Ran a lot of that action. It looked like Nurkic was legit, and then all of a sudden you play Jokic, and it's like, well, we got to pivot away from our idea already and go in this direction. Well, you know what? Those were two. That was right away you had a freaking fork in the road. Fortunately, that, um, or unfortunately for Nurkic, he got injured. Yeah, and he missed the first part of the two thousand uh, was it the two thousand fifteen season, and uh, history was completely different after that. Yeah, you know, and it's it's so often is the case, right? And um, who knows? Because Nurkic actually was having a great year this year until he got injured. The second best Before player, he, many people said, you know, he, he was broke his leg in half. Yeah, you know? and and that was damn. I mean, like. It's killer. Yep. All right, man. Let's get out of here, Morton. We had a good time we podcasting. Did. If you're listening to this, Tim, uh, we will incentivize you to stay by increasing your appearances on this podcast by eightfold. Yeah. The <laughs> next time we talk to Tim Conley, we'll be on this podcast as a member of the Denver Nuggets. Yes. So. 100%. You heard it here first. Come on back, Tim. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you all next time. 
This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.